Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Hebrews chapter 10. Show me your Bibles. Anyone bring their Bible to church tonight? Good. It's getting better. We're about 5%. So plenty of work to do. We've got plenty of time. So it's all good. No, I'm just kidding. We can have fun in church. So Hebrews chapter 10, I want to read it uh, out of the ESV, which uh, is my translation for the year. Every year or two, I try to change my translations, Um, also because my NIV was literally falling apart, so I changed it up, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with the ESV. So we're going to do the ESV tonight, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near. Everybody say, draw near. near. With a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, we're going to zero in on this tonight. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for the power of your word tonight. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that your word would help us continue to rise up in faith. Lord, to get a better understanding of who Jesus is to us, our own personal revelation of all that you've done and all that's been accomplished through the cross. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We know you're already here touching lives and helping us to understand more of who God is. Lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name, and a faith-filled church said together. And a faith-filled church said together. I'm not going to let you be quiet tonight. I'm just going to give you some notice. Is that all right? You're all on notice. No quiet church. No such thing exists in this building. No one's given me a permit saying that that exists, so it's just not going to happen. We are a loud church. We are a worshiping church. We are a Jesus first church. So if we're a Jesus first church, that means we cannot be silent. Don't tell me to be quiet. I have Jesus on the inside of me. Message title for tonight, I need you. I need you. Everybody say, I need you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. And then the person on the other side, say, I need you too. I love those moments. I really hope they just are really weird for people. That's the whole intention from my perspective anyway. I need you. I want to set up some background for this part of Hebrews chapter 10. It's really, really interesting when you read it. 
Because there's a few things that the writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, is trying to get the people to understand. Obviously, the letter is to the Hebrew people, to the people of God, the people who understood the law, the people who understood the commandments, the people who understood the structure with which you're supposed to live and live your life out according to. So it's a very carefully constructed letter, but there's a few things that it focuses on. The main thing is this, and if you want to write this down, you can write it down. This is drawing out of the passage. Is number one, the supremacy of Christ. He declares, or the author of Hebrews declares, the supremacy of Christ as the high priest, outdoing all others. The next thing, drawing out of the passage, I'm just going to go through this quickly, is the sheer magnitude of the sacrifice as being the only required sacrifice and not needing to bring further sacrifices in its place or to have anything else to add to the sacrifice. And we all know, because we love Jesus, that Jesus is the sacrifice. And if you didn't know that, welcome to church. But Hebrews is an amazing letter. And what ultimately the author of Hebrews is trying to do is trying to get the people of God to understand that the old covenant, which had old conditions, had old, uh, an old relationship, also had lots of different things, has been eclipsed by the new covenant. It's been eclipsed. It's been taken over. And nothing you can do can add to the new covenant. The new covenant has better conditions, has a better relationship with Jesus. Who's thankful for that tonight? We have a better relationship with Jesus, with God because of Jesus. We have greater possibilities because of Jesus. And of course, we have the promised Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. Come on, clap your hands. We have the promised Holy Spirit every single day. So because of that, things are different. And that's what this whole book in the Bible is all about. See, what's amazing when you study Old Testament law was there was certain ways that you could approach God. There was the tabernacle. Tabernacle was literally God's dwelling place. That was where God dwelled. And if you wanted to bring a sacrifice to God, you had to bring it to the front of the tabernacle, to the tent of meeting. You had to bring it to a certain place and do certain things. And you had to have someone step in who was the high priest. And there were only a couple of people that were actually qualified and clean to be able to do what you needed to be done, but they had to do it for you. They had to be your representative. But what Hebrews is trying to tell us is that's no longer the case. It doesn't exist anymore. But look at it. In verse 19, it says this, We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Confidence to enter. See, you never used to be able to enter. You never used to be able to go in. If you went in, you died. It was it. Kaputs. It's all over. It's finished for you. In fact, if some of the high priests would go in at the wrong time, it would mean death for them as well. So we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new, verse 20, a new way of living. Open by the curtain, which was his flesh, which means we can draw close into this new and living way. But look at it in verse 22. We're just doing a little bit of an exegesis Bible study right now. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and and our bodies washed with pure water. See, when you bring a sacrifice... In the Old Testament, you would bring your sacrifice, whether it was a sin offering or if it was um, some kind of other offering, and there were certain limitations within the different offerings, but you would bring that, that sin offering. 
And we all know, and sorry if it's a little bit gruesome to your ears, but it used to be an animal. And the animal needed to die to be the sacrifice to cover the sin so you could be clean. Things were a little different back then. Thank God at the very front of the armory tonight, we didn't have a priest standing there and people are bringing up animals. That's literally what it was like. People would bring animals to the front and there'd be a guy standing there and he'll say, yeah, I'll take care of it for you. But here in, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, our hearts sprinkled clean. Do you know what that means? What they would used to do is they used to take the animal and some of the blood and they would sprinkle it against the altar. And that would make you clean. Isn't it amazing that because of Jesus, because of all that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, our hearts have been sprinkled clean. Come on, church. I know it's Sunday night, but how good is it what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf? Sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water, and you had to, you had to wash with pure water to be cleansed as well. We don't have to do that anymore. We can draw near. We can live in the power of the Holy Spirit, being renewed every single day with others called the church, with the community. But in verse 24, it says something pretty direct. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I want to talk tonight about community. I want to talk tonight about God-given, godly community. Because what we need to understand, friends, is because of what has happened in the precursors of this verse, or the, the, the verses that I just read, we have been qualified for godly community. Because of what Jesus has done, because He was the perfect sacrifice, because His blood, which was shed for us on the cross, has sprinkled us clean, it means that we now can have godly community. But see, the thing about this, and this is what I believe God is trying to get us to understand through this letter, is we can't neglect the importance of being in community, the community that we have been qualified to be in. Don't neglect it. Don't put it aside. Don't think that it's not important or that you don't need it. I'd love it if you could write this down. Something for you to ponder this week. Community is not just important, it's imperative. Community is not just an important thing. And that's what I believe some people do is they say, oh, I'm going to put that in the important box. I'll put it right there and it's important, but, you know, there are conditions on my importance. And I may or may not come back to it or it just depends on where it happens to sit in my inbox. No, it's not just important. It's imperative for our lives. In other words, it's not a maybe. I need you. When it comes to the community around me, around you, in our church, I need you. You need me. It's just one of those things. We have to accept that we need community. We actually cannot live without each other. We just can't. We can't live without, without each other. And I'd love to show you some scriptures, but in Leviticus chapter 19, all the way back in Leviticus 19, God's setting up the laws. He's setting it up. He's setting up the way to do everything. All the different laws, this is how you live, this is the confinements, this is it. But he always made provisions for people's living situations. He always, always made provisions for people to dwell together. In Leviticus 19 verse 9, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall reap your field right up to its edge. Oh, sorry, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you ga gather, gather, gather. Gather the gleanings 
after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And time after time after time, he would make provision after provision after provision because God knew you needed to live with your neighbor. You needed to live with the people in your world, in your community. And Jesus makes it a done deal. He said, but you shall, not, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In John 13, he says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. See, we desperately need this thing called community. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just think it's optional. A lot of people just think it's kind of just inside the walls of the church. I go in, I come out, I've done my duty, but we need community so much. I was reading a research study from the Pew Research Institute. And this particular topic was why people don't go to church. Why people don't go to church. And this particular institution does research. They're pretty well regarded, but it was really interesting. And one of the findings was this. One in four people, usually, of the people who don't go to church, have said, I just don't go. One in four people usually don't feel a sense of community. I love this study because it highlights a few things. They say, I don't usually feel a sense of community. But it highlights two things to me. And that's this, people struggle to find community. And the second is, they usually give up trying. They usually give up trying and say, it's just too hard. And I don't really know if I need it. But the Bible is clear, we need it. We actually need it. If only those people knew how critical it is to have good people around them. That they would see their pursuit of the Christian community for themselves so differently if you knew how vital it was for you, if you knew how much you needed it. You know, recently, I feel like I got kind of this revelation from God about this particular issue. I was trying to get home from the, I was on a trip and I was in the dreaded Northeast, trying to get home. It was a struggle, but it was one of those situations where the storm was so bad, people, like they'd been canceling flights for like three days. And I was stuck in one of the, the New York airports and, I mean, that's the closest thing to hell on earth that I know. And, I mean, it was, it was mayhem. Like I was saying to, to my wife, I was like, this is probably one of the worst situations I've ever seen. I've been flying a lot in the last 10 years of my life. This is one of the worst situations. I mean, there were people everywhere. People everywhere. There were flights canceled. Like literally airlines were like, hey, you're not going anywhere. Whatever your plans. I heard one person at a counter who's working for one of the airlines say, I know you've got to go to this wedding, but you might as well just forget about it. It's, it ain't happening for you. And then I was, I was talking to one person who told me that she needed to get to a wedding in Chicago and she, there were no rental cars left. Like all the rental cars in the whole area had been booked out and taken. She was renting a U-Haul truck to drive it from New York to Chicago to get to a wedding. Like this was a bad situation. And I was in the midst of it, and actually it was a crazy miracle story. Like, God just got me home. It was amazing. The only flight that left that night was to Jacksonville. Praise God. And we all know why. We all know why. Glory. But I'm in this airport, and this whole thing's going down, and I started to sort of look across the airport. And there's all the different restaurants and cafes and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've been there, but you've seen those tablets on every single desk. 
now they have in the airports. And that's how you, that's how you order your drinks. That's how you order your food. That's how you check your flight status. That's how you check the news. That's how you do everything you need. You could probably go online and like check your bank account. I don't know. You can do literally everything from those tablets. And what was crazy to me was I was looking at people. And we're surrounded by people. There's people everywhere. Like so many people to talk to. And no one is talking to anyone. People are sitting in front of their tablets doing something. Playing games or reading the news, like whatever it was. No one was talking to anyone. And I really believe God was showing me something about what the church should, could become if we're not careful. It could become this thing where we just sit up against the screen, go to our favorite YouTube channel, go to joelosteen.com, God bless him. Get whatever we need and never talk to anyone. Consume what we want Get as much as we can because it serves our purpose and forget all about relationships. Friends, if we're not careful, we could forget about this thing, whole thing called relationship and community. See, the thing is we can't do this thing by ourselves. You can't do life by yourself. People have tried. Can I, can I just let you in on a secret? You're not the exception to the rule. YouTube channels and podcasts will only do so much. You need to be around God's people. Proverbs 18 and verse 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. See, I wanted to look into community a little bit tonight. So here are some truths about community. I'd love it if you could write these down. It's point number one. Community was created for all of us, not just some of us. Not the Holy Spirit crowd. Not the uber faithful that show up more than others, not the most devout, not the one with the least amount of problems. Church and godly community is for everyone. It's actually his plan for your life, is to be around godly people, surrounded by the people of God. This is the essential need of every single person, connection. Man's most important need a lot of people would say, well, it's survival and it's like making sure you have food and Maslow's hierarchy. I get that. Once you've figured out what to eat, the most important thing, the most important thing for a man and a woman is companionship. It's to not be alone. It's to not be disenfranchised. It's not to be, to be left with no one caring about us. It's not to be alone. We desire connection. It's one of the most inbuilt things in us. We don't want to be by ourselves. We don't want to be abandoned. Even though there are times in busy life where like, yeah, I just need to get away. That's, that's obvious. That can happen. We have busy schedules. We need to draw back and just spend some time alone. I get that. But the overarching theme of our lives is we need people. I'll read it for you really quick. But in Genesis chapter 2, I'll show it to you. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. But look at this. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Connection is essential. Connection is imperative. And we need to get to a place in our walk with God where we understand that without it, we will always struggle because it was created for us. It's created for us. Number two, is this okay? 
Is this okay? Getting a little pastoral on you tonight, but I believe this is a word from us, uh, from God for us. Number two, community. We need it to thrive in life. See, connection to God's people is vital for our survival. And not just our survival, but for us to actually thrive in life. To do well in life. I mean, you think about professional athletes. Think about uh, professional athletes in an individual sport. The most important decision is not necessarily what event to go in or what they're going to try out to do. The most important decision is the head coach. The most important person is the head coach. But then there's also the trainer. Then there's also the physical therapist. Then there's also the dietitian, the person that makes sure they're putting the right fuel in. There's all these people. There's this band of people around them that make sure they stay on track, that make sure they keep moving forward, that make sure they keep reaching their goals and maturing as an athlete, going from level to level to level. It's no different in our spiritual lives. Community is imperative. Godly community is needed for us to thrive. To thrive means to walk forward in life. To walk forward means to make good decisions in life. How do we make good decisions? It's not because we're awesome. It's because we have sound, godly counsel. And where do you find sound, godly counsel? You find it in church. You find it in God's house. You find it in His community. It's awesome. I was thinking about this message and the Holy Spirit literally said to me, you have blind spots too. And I said, absolutely, I do. I've got blind spots. I've got areas in my life where I have given people permission to tell me, hey, you might be missing this. I've given people in my life permission to be able to tell me, hey, what about this? And better still, I myself, I seek them out. Let me show you a few scriptures real quick. Proverbs 20 and verse 18 in the New Living Translation says, Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Proverbs 15 and verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors. I love that. Many advisors, they succeed. You could just replace community with counsel. Do you have good community in your life? Do you have people that are speaking into your life, helping you? move forward it's one of the main reasons I'm so big on people being in church every single week because you know what happens when you make that decision to be in church every single week don't be like the statistics in America that say 1.45 times a month people go to church but if you go to church every single week you know what will happen instantaneously in your life you'll get community you'll get God's people around you every week it'll be amazing but you won't even necessarily notice it at first but then seasons of life will come. Something will come around the, the corner at you and it'll maybe sideswipe you a little bit. It'll maybe feel like it's going to take you on track. But you know what the best part is? You've got community right around you. You've got people that are ready to say, hey, this is a blind spot. Hey, let me help you right here. Let me keep you on track. Hey, what's going on in your life? Can I help you? Do not neglect. I love it because... I believe your success in life, your walk with Jesus is dependent on your commitment to community. Community is where you will flourish. Your gifts, your talents, you. God's called us to thrive, not just survive. He's called us to thrive, not just 
get along, not just make it from week to week, not just sort of bumble through season to season. Even if there have been disappointments before, can I encourage you, friend, good, good community around you, they'll push you forward. They'll make you move forward. I was reading a study recently, and it was about all about addiction. Obviously, addiction is one of those things that just grips people. And the outline of this study was basically this. Addiction is much less likely to take a hold when community is immediately present in that person's life. And even going a little bit further, where there is real connection between people, addiction does not flourish. Addiction is suppressed and becomes less likely when a personal connection happens between that person and their people. Community. Point number three about community. If we're real, it's real. That's something about community that I just want to, I really want to drive home tonight. If we're real, our community will be real. Like real God-given community. It'll be fake if we're fake. It'll be something that's surface level, friends, if we are surface level. If we're surface level, how can we ever expect to have deep and meaningful community? Back to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. I love that words uses the word confession. What does that look like? Or what, is that, what, is, what is that actually about? It's about being vulnerable. What's the confession of our hope? What God's done in our life? Who Jesus is to us. It's being real with people. I wonder how real you are when it comes to church. How real you are when it comes to community. How authentic and vulnerable and open and willing you are. See, I'm a big believer that you can only expect to get out what you are willing to put in. What are you willing to put in? You know, in the financial world, they, they, love, these, they love ratios. If, you, if you've been to business school, you know what I'm talking about. If you're an accountant or an investment person, they love ratios, all kinds of ratios in the business world. Here's a few of them. There's a net profit margin ratio. There's the gross profit margin ratio. There's all the gearing ratios, like how much debt you have. There's the current assets over current liabilities ratio, which is pretty important. Make sure you don't owe too much in your life. But there's a ratio that's kind of interesting. It's called return on invested capital. Return on invested capital, R-O-I-C. And what is that all about? It's all about me sitting there and saying, what's the return that I'm going to get on the money that I put in? What's the return I'm going to get? Is it 5%? Is it 10%? What is, what is it? Tell me what my ROIC is. Well, I'm going to switch it up because we're in church. My ROIC is this, return on invested community. What's my return on invested community? And I wonder what yours is tonight. I wonder what it is if I looked at your life and said, how much are you putting in to your community? How much are you investing into the world around you? Because I could tell you just by looking at that, what your return's likely to look like. There's going to be a minimum. There's going to be something that you're going to get out. But if you're not putting anything in, your ROIC, your return on invested community, friends, is going to be zero. How often do we see people in life, friends? This is a heart message for me. 
How often in life do you see people, they drag themselves out of church because they're not willing to invest in community? That's why you get people saying things like this. Well, I tried out six churches. I tried out six churches, but man, it just didn't feel like people were being real. Well, how real were you being? How real were you being in each of those six situations? And can I just say something? There's a common denominator here. And it's not the other churches, it's you. Or you hear things like this, well, I used to go there and I actually like the people, but I just don't feel like I connect with anyone. How real are you being with those people? What's your ROIC? What's your invested capital into that community? What have you put into that? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a text message to say hi. I'm talking about showing up to Connect Group once in a while. Talking about showing up to church every week. What does it look like for you? Is it okay if I be a little bit pastoral tonight? We're at a stage in our church life, in case you haven't noticed, where this stuff is actually important. We need to talk about it. We need to know about it. There might be people in here tonight and you're sitting there, you're like, I have no idea that I need people in in my world. You do. This is the other thing about that return on investment. Vested community is this. It will pay big dividends in your life. It will pay big, big dividends in in your life. And this is the reason why. Because what we put in, obviously we'll get out the minimum of what we put in. But we serve a God who multiplies. We serve a God who gives us so much more than we ever put in. He does so much more with our little. Come on, church, clap your hands. Let's thank God for God tonight. We need to be willing to pony up and invest in our capital. Sorry, invest in our community. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable at times. It's part of the process. We have to be willing to invest when we don't feel like it. It's part of the process. We have to be real when it's easier to be fake or absent. That's part of the process. The main reason that research study said that one in four people don't find community at church. Yes, it can be the church's fault. Yes, churches can do certain things. But the main reason is surrendering to the process of getting in community. We have to be willing to surrender to the process. Showing up and being in an uncomfortable situation. Maybe talking to someone and it just seems so awkward. Can I just go there for a moment? Is it okay? A few people are getting super uncomfortable in here and I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Because we need to talk about this. It's important. But the awkward conversation where there's nothing to talk about, there's just no feedback, you're not getting anything back. Can we be the type of Christians that are willing to go through that? to at least get to a point where we know a few people and we're kind of planted in this thing called church and we begin to flourish in the courts of God and we begin to see some fruit in our lives. Come on, church. Let's not be surface level. You know, you only have to be in church longer than about three months and you're going to get offended. Three months or your money back. You only have to be in church longer than about three months and you're going to get offended. But you know what the funny thing about that is? Offense is the bait of Satan. It's the bait of Satan. 
The very word offense, I just want to read it straight from the concordance. Put it up on the screen. I want to read it real quick. This is what it means. It's from the Greek word scandalon, which means a stick for bait of a trap, generally a snare, a stumbling block, an offense. That's what it means. To get offended means that you have been trapped. It means that you have been sucked in. It means that not minimizing what's happened, but you have allowed this thing to trap you. Look at what Romans chapter 9 and verse 33 says. Speaking about Jesus, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Jesus Himself was called a rock of offense, something that people would either stumble over in life or they would build their life on. They would build their life on the chief cornerstone. I wonder what we would choose today. I wonder what we are willing 2018 today when you look at the future of your life and you look at the seasons that are come, are you willing to look at offense and let it be something that just stumbles for you and you just stumble all over it and your life's a mess and you're in six different churches? Or are you willing to lay it aside and keep walking into the promises of God? Keep walking into everything that God has for you. It's a trap. How often do we get gamed by the enemy as Christians? How often does the enemy rob us of community that we desperately need to flourish because of offence? We get offended by what he said. We get offended by what she said, what she didn't say. When they didn't call, the way the pastor looked at me one day, I was probably thinking about something else. It's got nothing to do with you. But hear me, please, and I never want to minimize people's hurt, but this is so important to understand that that trap that comes no matter what, has seized us out of church. How many people have drugged themselves out of the house of God because they've allowed offense to rule them? They've allowed offense to cause them to draw back, to walk away from the things of God, to become alienated from the center of God's will because of some offense that you could have stepped over if the team could join me. So what are we going to do? This is what we're going to do. We're going to be willing to let go of any offense. We've got to understand that community is for us, that God actually gave it to us. He said, I don't want you to be alone. So I'm going to give you community. I'm going to give you someone uh, in your world. I'm going to give you a church. I'm going to give you believers surrounding you. But in the process, we've got to be willing to let go of any offense that causes us to stumble and stops us from walking right into the community that God has for us. We've got to surrender to the process of planting ourselves in community. Be willing to step over that stone. Be willing to step over that and say, you know what, I'm going to submit to the process. And this is what I want you to do. If, you are, if you're not in a connect group in our church, this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab that info folder that Chris was talking about at the start of the service, and I want you to fill it out. And this is why I want you to fill it out, because you need community. If you're going to survive this thing called life and not just survive, but thrive, You've got to be around God's people. And every two weeks in homes all over our city, people are in community. People are gathering around the Word of God. People are worshiping. Some of the connect groups do worship. And it's utterly amazing the way you begin to thrive when you have people of God surrounding you. We have to be willing to surrender to the process. 
committing to the investment process in our community. And finally, just trusting God with the outcome. Trusting God with the dividends. Trusting God with the return that we're going to get from that investment. It might seem a little awkward at first. It might seem like you have to step over a stone of offense. But can I encourage you, friend, you will see a return. You will see God just come into your life and flood you with people. And if a tough season comes, people are going to gather around you. People are going to be there for you. If you have a baby, it's amazing. People are going to send you meals. If you go through a tough time and maybe there's a, a funeral situation, a church will step in and help you and be there for you. If you're going through something, community is there for you. And if you've invested in that in the seasons before, it's incredible how it comes around and pays dividends right when you need it. We need community and I need you and you need me. And it's amazing what God has set up. Would you stand with me? You received that word tonight? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.com.